Well, what's up, everybody? Super glad that y'all are here today at Second Chance, whether you're watching on the Second Chance website or you're watching on Facebook or you're in the room. As always, want to say hey to the people in the room. We always have about 20 or so people in the room, and, and that's, that's packed, so we're super excited. However you're joining us today, um, today is going to be a little different. It's kind of a one-off message. The title of the message, if you're a note-taker, is just called Fish and Chips. Um, next week is going to be real interesting because next week's not really going to be a sermon. And so if you've got a friend or a family member that doesn't really want to hear a sermon or be preached to, next week is going to be more like a talk. And, and then the following week, we're going to start a brand new series called Haters. Um, and it's not going to be what you think. It's going to be a little different. I know that title carries, um, carries like an idea with it, but I think you're going to like where we're going to go with it. It's going to be called haters. But today, today we're talking about um, fish and chips. In fact, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, Matthew chapter 14 um, in your Bible, on your Bible app, on your phone or whatever, Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to be. And I'm going to start today by talking about something that most of us, most of us can find common ground on. And that's a place called the Waffle House. Most of you know, if you live in this, this is, this is how the Waffle House is distributed in the United States of America. Um, the, you can see the states that have the most Waffle Houses are right here, and then it kind of trails off. By the way, these are also the states that lead in heart attacks and early deaths, but we die with smiles on our faces. Waffle House. How many of you have ever eaten at a Waffle House? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, I, I love Waffle House. It was started in 1955. The state with the most Waffle Houses is Georgia. I think it has 384. Um, the state with the second most Waffle Houses, though, is South Carolina. Exactly. With 144 Waffle Houses in the state of South Carolina, 100 of them actually are probably in Anderson. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I moved to Anderson in 1990. And if you've been around the city of Anderson since 1990, you've seen it explode in development. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not Greenville or Charlotte, but for Anderson, I mean, my gosh, we've got a Home Depot now. So that, that's, that, and two Starbucks. I remember when there was none. And so there's been a lot of development in the area, and it's been super cool. Um, but just probably five or six years ago on Highway 81, there was a plot of land being cleared. Now, for those of you that don't know about Anderson or like small town politics or whatever, anytime a piece of land was being cleared, there were always rumors, rumors as to what that piece of land was going to be. Oh, I heard it's going to be this. I heard it's going to be this. I heard it's going to be this. And I, would, I can remember being so disappointed the day that I found out that that particular piece of land was going to be a Waffle House. And the reason I was disappointed is because we already had five. We had a Waffle House off of Exit 19, Waffle House off of Exit 21. We had a Waffle House off of Exit 27. There's Waffle House on Clemson Boulevard. There's Waffle House out on 24 somewhere. There's Waffle Houses everywhere. And I remember complaining, going, we don't need another Waffle House. This is ridiculous. I, I, and I remember telling somebody, I'll never go to that Waffle House. Now, I eat at that particular Waffle House with my daughter, Karis, at least twice every single week. I go in there all the time. I go in there so much that there's a cook, one of the cooks, his name is, um, well, we all just call him Speedy because he is like real fast on the grill. When he sees my car pulling to the parking lot, not making this up, he starts cooking my order because mine and Karis's order hadn't changed in, since she was one. And, and so, so I, can remember the, I can remember saying, I, I will 
I will never go to that Waffle House. And now it's the Waffle House that not only do I go to, it's the only one that I will go to. You say, no, Perry, what does this have to do with God, Jesus, church, religion, whatever? I'm glad you asked. Because just like Anderson didn't need another Waffle House, Anderson doesn't really need another church. I mean, I've, I've had people ask me that. Perry, does Anderson really need another church? And the answer is no, because um, you can stand in the parking lot of one church and throw a rock and, and, it, and hit another church, which I'm not saying throw rocks at churches. I'm just, it, it was an illustration. You got to say that because in today's world, somebody's going to get offended. I'm just saying we've got church after church after church after church, which is why I, I, second chance church, I'm not wanting just to start another church. I want to just put the cards on the table and let you know the type of environment that we're going to try to create. And here it is. I, I got it in a little note form so you can write it down. Second chance church exists to create an environment that the unchurched and the dechurched love to attend. That's it. Screenshot that, you know, hashtag that, whatever, tweet that. Second chance church exists to create an environment that the unchurched and the dechurched love to attend. In other words, we're going to be a church for messy people. We're going to be a church... For, for people that are, are spiritually sick and they want to get well. Now, somebody asked me this on, on uh, some social media channel. They asked me this. Well, can healthy people come too? Well, there's a problem with that. Number one, nobody's really healthy. Okay? We're all born in this condition called sin. So, so the, the church world is pretty much created where uh, a, a situation where somebody with stage one cancer can look at somebody with stage four cancer and say, you've got a problem when we've all got the same problem. Second problem is if you're truly a healthy person, healthy people don't want to be around sick people because sick people are contagious, right? This is, we're going to create an environment where the unchurched and the dechurched love to attend. You know why? Here's, cause here's why. And in doing this, we believe that we will experience the presence of God in such a powerful way that in his ways and in his time, he will change us from who we are into who we need to be. Jesus changes people. Sometimes he changes people in six days. Sometimes he changes people in six months. And sometimes he changes people in six years. And you know what? However he wants to do it is awesome with us. We just want to see people experience the presence of God on a consistent basis so much that in his ways and in his time, Jesus takes us from who we are to who we need to be. And, and we just create the environment where that can happen. Now, the, the, where, where I got this idea from is Matthew chapter 14. And it's a miracle that's so powerful, it actually appears in all four gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, we're going to look at Matthew's account um, because... That's the one I read, all right? That, there's no really spiritual reason other than that I was just reading in Matthew, and this sermon kind of popped out to me. Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to start, verse uh, 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, let me pause. What had happened was that John the Baptist, his cousin, had been killed. It had his head cut off. He had been murdered. And one of the things that we seem to forget sometimes is Jesus is fully God, and fully man. And so full, we get the fully God part because he heals people and all that stuff. We don't get the fully man part sometimes. And the fully man, it, he was experiencing some grief. He was kind of hurting a little bit. 
So when Jesus heard what had happened, which is John the Baptist has had his head cut off, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, let me ask this question. Have you ever just wanted to get away, to get out of town? I mean, I'm just wondering how many moms would be honest enough with me and you said you had to go to the grocery store, but you really got in your car and drove around for an hour and you didn't go to the grocery store. You just wanted to hear some music because you had to get away from your screaming children. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to give anybody ideas. I'm just saying there's all been times where we needed to get away. Well, Jesus is trying to get away because he needs to kind of work through this thing that just happened to his cousin, John the Baptist. But watch this. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Now, let me tell you why this can create a stressful situation. Because most of us know what it's like to want to get away, but people won't let us get away, right? You've, we talked about it before. You're a mom or a dad. You go in the bathroom. You shut the door. You don't really have to go to the bathroom. You're just in the bathroom. Before you know it, a little hand comes under the door. And, hey, what are you doing in there? Like, and we just wanted to get away. Well, the reason this is so stressful is because the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus is, is down in a valley, it's surrounded by hills, and it's surrounded by mountains. And so as Jesus is sailing across the sea to try to get away, people can see where he's going. And the Bible says, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Now, when we, when we read this, we think 10, 15, 20 people, that's a crowd following. It's around 15 to 20,000 people trying to get near Jesus. We'll see that in just a little while. So can you imagine... Being on a boat, Jesus is on a boat, and he's trying to get away from the crowds, and he can look, and his disciples can look, and the hills are like, they're just crawling with people that are trying to get near him, and he's trying to get away. This is interesting. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if this verse were about me, it wouldn't say Perry had compassion. It would say Perry went off and told them all that they were crazy and they needed to go home. But Jesus, in this state, sees a crowd, and he has compassion on them and heals their sick. Now, here's a, here's a question that I never really had thought about. Why were these people so passionate about getting close to Jesus? And it, I, had my, I got my answer this week in a weird way. I was taking Karis on a date, and we were going to the Waffle House. Exactly. And as we were going to the Waffle House, we passed by Zaxby's. It was this past Tuesday. Zaxby's on 81 and Anderson. Now, I like Zaxby's. It's okay. It's not my first choice or my second choice or usually my third choice. But I like it. I'm not anti-Zaxby's. But on Tuesday, this past Tuesday at 5 o'clock, not one parking place was empty. Every parking sp spot was full, and the drive-through wrapped around the building, came out into the street, and went down the road about a quarter of a mile. And Karis looked at me, and she said, Daddy, what's happening? And I was like, baby, I don't, I have no idea, because the, Tuesday at 5 o'clock at Zaxby's is not prime time. Like, I've never seen that kind of crowd at Zaxby's. And then she looked at me, she said, Daddy, just Google it, which, I mean, that was, I was like, oh, you're brilliant. So we Googled it and found out that this past Tuesday was, um, like, if you were 55 or older, you could get a free meal at Zaxby's. And so the people, people 
like older people, over 55 and older, decided, you know what? It's worth an hour of our time for the $6 chicken finger meal, right? And so people went, now, here's the question. Why did people go to Zaxby's on Tuesday? Was it because of the quality of their chicken? No. Was it because they had conviction, we need to, we need to stop eating red meat and so we're going to eat more chicken? No. Why did they go to Zaxby's in droves this past week? Because it was free. Because they got something for free. Because they wanted something. It's like um, Chick-fil-A. Dressed like a cow day at Chick-fil-A. Okay, I just want to make a confession. And I don't care if you hate on me for this. I've never dressed like a cow because I think it's one of the most dehumanizing things in the world. And you pay more for the cow costume than you do the stupid chicken sandwich. Okay, I'll give you $2.39 to be a human. But you know why people dress, you know why people do that? Because it's free. Because they don't say, oh, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A because I love to see how many times I can get the guy behind the counter to say my pleasure. Twelve's my record. Um, I, I'm not go- I want to go to Chick-fil-A because I believe in the quality. No, no, they're going because they're getting something, because they want something. Now, it's real important to bring that mindset into this text. Why are these people following Jesus? Are, are they following Jesus because they're wanting to pursue holiness? No. Are they, are they following Jesus because they want to put Jesus in the middle of a field and just sing songs to him for the next three hours? No. Did, did this group of people have their quiet times that morning? Do you think they had cross necklaces and, and um, fish tattooed on their ankles? No. Why were they pursuing Jesus? Why were they running after Jesus? Here's the answer. They wanted something from him. They had sick people that wanted to get healed. And when sick people ran after Jesus, and they wanted to get healed, and he showed up. He didn't go off on them. He had compassion on them. It's mind-blowing. This is, this is, the reason I'm saying this is because a lot of people today go, well, people show up to church for the wrong reasons. Well, people follow Jesus for the wrong reason too. But when they did, he didn't criticize them for it. He was just glad they were there. In fact, the next verse says, As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, you know, this is a remote place. Let me pause for a second. The disciples were probably a little disappointed because they thought we're going to get away with Jesus and we're just going to hang out with him and we're going to talk and we're going to tell him some stuff and he's going to tell us one of those stories we never understand, but it's okay because he'll explain it. And they thought they were just going to get some personal time with Jesus, but that's not what happens in this story. All these people show up. Ruin their t- all these sick people show up. All the sick people, the people that weren't allowed to go to the tabernacle or the temple or wherever, they show up and Jesus is kind of talking to them and he's healing them. And so they're a little upset and they said, this is, this is a remote place. In other words, this is our place. And it's already getting late. I mean, Jesus, you've been preaching for like four hours, so we're going to need to wind this down. Um, send the crowds away. Send the crowds away. So they can go to the villages by themselves some food. In other words, the disciples had the wrong idea of what discipleship was. They thought discipleship was get along with Jesus and spend as much time with him as possible. And so because of that, they wanted to send the crowds away. 
And that's what's become dangerous about church culture in America in general is we've got the wrong idea of discipleship. We think discipleship is how much time we can spend with Jesus. And because we define discipleship only in that category, we wind up sending people away that actually need the touch of Jesus, just like the sick people in this story. I love it. I love it when people show up to church and they don't know the religious rules. I've shared this story before, but it's worth hearing again. I remember being in the lobby. I used to stay in the lobby after church. I don't do that really a lot anymore. I'll tell you why next week. It's a whole story behind it. But I used to stay in the lobby, and I remember this one dude from about 20 feet away. He made eye contact with me, and he had like a kind of funny smile on his face. And he walked up to me, and, he's, he, and there's a crowd around me and stuff, and he said, Preacher, first time I've been to church, 20 years. That was a damn good sermon. And I'd never been told that before, like ever. And like as soon as he said it, like everybody around me just stopped and looked. And um, he didn't know. He had just had that he just goofy grin on his face. And everybody's waiting to see what I did. And I reached out and I grabbed him by the hand. I did the man hug where you, if you grab by the hand, you pull him in, you do the one arm, you hit once on the back. That's the man hug. That's perfectly acceptable in any situation. So I did the man hug and I looked at him. I said, yes, it was. Yeah, it absolutely was. And he walked away. And I remember somebody come up to me going, he cussed. I'm like, no, 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 you're missing the point. He's in church. I don't care if he drops the F-bomb. He's in church. And I want Jesus to change his heart more than I want us to change his language. Let me say that again because that was damn good. I want Jesus to change his heart more than I want us to change his language. Like in some, like I remember people showing up at church and girls going, do you see how she's dressed? I'm like, time out. Number one, she's dressed. That's a win, okay? She's got on some clothes. But number two, let's celebrate that she's at church. And instead of focusing on her wardrobe, let's talk about what Jesus might want to do in her heart. And instead of sending her away, let's see how we can maybe stop and be the hands and feet of Jesus in her life. Well, the story goes on. I love Jesus and just some of his responses. It's great. Jesus replied, they do, not need, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. In other words, Jesus is like, hey, if you're looking for an opportunity for discipleship, I'm about to give you an opportunity for discipleship. I don't know if you've ever wondered whether or not an opportunity is real or not. I had a buddy in college, true story. Um, his name was Mike, and he liked this girl named Jen. And they hung out a lot. Like, they hung out a lot. But he never would ask her out because he was scared of hearing no. And so if you're a guy, we'll, we'll hint around and we'll hint around and hint around just so we don't have to hear no. We just won't come out and say it. And so one night, this is, she got his daytimer. This is back during the day where we had paper calendars. Some of you still have paper calendars. I'm not judging. I think it's ridiculous. I'm not judging. I'm just saying some people still have paper calendars, Carly. And... um. And so she got his paper calendar and wrote on a Friday night, take Jen out on a date at 7 o'clock and literally put it back in his bag. And he found it that night and he was like, oh, this is an opportunity. So they wound up going out on a date and eventually they got married, right? They, they really did. It was really cool. Because 
He was looking for an opportunity, wasn't sure, and all of a sudden, bam, it came to him in a way he never expected. Same thing in this story. The disciples are looking for a chance to get closer to Jesus. They think it's, let's get in a circle and sing kumbaya and kind of focus on one another. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. There's an opportunity here. But the opportunity is not for you to send them away. The opportunity is actually for you, Jesus said you, to feed them. Now there's a problem, and the disciples bring up the problem, and it's a good point. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And that's all we got. Now, for, for the longest time, I always thought these, these were big fish. Honestly, it wouldn't have mattered if they were whales. They, they couldn't have fed 15 to 20,000 people. So I don't know how big the fish were. The bread was probably some, some pita bread, which I've had pita bread in Israel. It's absolutely amazing. They didn't have a hummus in this story, but I'm sure there was hummus there that just Matthew didn't write it down. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. In other words, they said, we, we've got some stuff. We just don't know how, how to use it. And don't, don't miss this. Their plan, their plan... Oh, this, is so, this is so prevalent in, in today's society. Their plan was to take five loaves and two fish and get along with Jesus and split. Let me just ask you, how far does five loaves and two fish go among 13 people? 12 disciples and Jesus. Tw 13 men, okay? It might have made it among 13 women because I've seen the way some of y'all eat. But 13 men, mm-mm. So, so at the most, they get a small snack and everybody goes away and the sick people go away starving. How many environments has the church created where the people get together in smaller groups and have small snacks and, in, and ignore the spiritually starving people in the world? all in the name of discipleship. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're going to redefine discipleship right here. We're going to redefine discipleship right now. He said, you give them something to eat, and they're like, we, we, don't, we don't really have anything. This is, all, this is all we got, Jesus, five loaves and two fish. Bring them here to me, he said. I love how bold and audacious this is. Bring them here to me. Um, Saturday, like less than a week, less than a week, Jeremy, college football starts. And, and now I know what, now my Saturdays are full. Like I'm booked till the end of the year, right? Because college football starts and I'm a Clemson fan. And so, um, and, and so I know Clemson football, you know, Georgia, right? So Jeremy knows Georgia football. Um, are any South Carolina fans in here? So you're a South Carolina fan? All right. So, um, we're working with him. But anyway, we got, so, so we got Clemson, Carolina football, Georgia football, South Carolina, whatever. But here's that, who? Tennessee. We got some Tennessee fans, right? Y'all hadn't had anything to cheer about in about 20 years. But, but this year, I mean, we're going to get you back online, hopefully. Here's the deal, though. In college football, this is way in pro football, but even more in college football, because that's what I watch most of the time. The deal is you want to get the ball in the hands of a playmaker. So back during the days when Clemson had C.J. Spiller, I remember when C.J. Spiller was a freshman and came in, I remember watching him in his first game and thinking, you know what, we've got a better opportunity to win if we just get the ball in his hands. I remember Deshaun Watson, 
um, when, when the ball was in the hands of Deshaun Watson, we had a better chance if the ball was in his hands. He was a, he was a playmaker. South Carolina, if you could get the ball in... Yeah, you don't have any playmakers. But, but you, know what I, you, know, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm understanding. If you get the ball in the hands of a playmaker, there's a better opportunity to win. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say you don't have enough. Jesus said, just put it in my hands. I know what you've got doesn't seem like enough, but put it in my hands. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus is showing the disciples that discipleship isn't necessarily about circling up. Discipleship includes an element called giving. Everybody just got nervous. But Jesus didn't say, well, give me three loaves and one fish. Jesus said, hey, take what you've got and put it in my hands. And I just want to pause and say, and and I'll share a big update when we're done. I want to pause and say thank you to those of you that actually give. I'm talking financially give to Second Chance Church, because of the way you're giving, we're actually going to be able to create an environment where the unchurched and the de-churched love to attend. And the giving's going really well right now. I'm not going to give you the, I'm not going to give you the amount right now. I'm just going to say thank you. That's what it, see, see, knowledge, knowledge doesn't equal spiritual maturity. Because if knowledge equaled spiritual maturity, then Satan is the most spiritually mature being on the planet. Because nobody knows more than him. Knowledge translates to activity. And one of the activities that Jesus wants his followers to do is just be willing to give, especially when we see a clear need. So Jesus said, just bring them here to me. And and then it goes on. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Now, to me, that's the biggest miracle, to get fifteen to 20,000 adults to sit down. If it were like students or children, I could totally believe it. But to get fifteen to 20,000 adults to sit down, that's a miracle in and of itself. So they sat down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and broke the loaves. Watch this, watch this. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. So here's the second mark of the disciple. Not only will the disciple give, but a disciple will serve. Jesus didn't make it rain down manna. Now he could have. He did it like in the, in the Old Testament. That was kind of cool when bread rained down from heaven. I would kind of like to see that miracle myself. He didn't do that. He gave the food to the disciples and the disciples served the people. The disciples Don't miss this. The people that wanted to send them away wound up being the people that served them. And I think we would see a monumental change in our world today if Christians would learn learn to actually serve the people they've traditionally slandered. Let me say it again. I think we would see an incredible change in the world today if Christians would learn how to serve the people they have traditionally slandered. And while the disciples were like, we need to send them away, we need to send them away, Jesus goes, no, you need to give, you need to serve, and it's going to make a difference. Now, here's the cool thing about Jesus. You just can't outgive him. You can't outdo him. They all ate and were satisfied. Now, question, question. It's very simple. It's not a trick question. It's a yes or no question. If the 12 disciples in Jesus would have eaten 
five loaves and two fish, would they have been satisfied? Yes or no? No. No. But because they put what they had in the hands of Jesus, because they were willing to serve, even though they didn't understand how this was happening, the Bible says everybody ate and was satisfied. And the disciples, they're still serving here, picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So they gave the five loaves and two fish. Let me ask you a question. Did they get back more than they gave? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Now, stop, 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 stop. I'm not going to go health and wealth here. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say if you'll give $100, God will give you a Maserati. Now, if that happens, let me know because I'd love to throw $100. I mean, I'll, I would love that. That's never happened to me. I've never given a check for $100 and then a Maserati has been, I've been in my driveway. And if it did, they were lost and asking for directions. That's the only way I've ever seen it. But I will tell you that you can't outgive God. I will tell you that God will bless you in ways that you, I mean, and sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's relational. I don't know. I just know that you can't outgive God because the disciples gave what they had and they, picked, they each got a basket of food. When, when, you, when you go to a buffet and you eat all you want and you get a doggy bag, that's pretty incredible because normally at buffets they tell you you can't fix a plate and take it home. The Bible says this, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. So this was about 15 to 20,000 people. And they were all fed because Jesus redefined discipleship, not as let's focus on each other and to hell with the rest of the world, but let's give and serve to those who have, are so desperate that they, they ran to this place. And so because of all this, it's caused me to have a couple reflections. Number one, I don't know who you are or what you've done or what's going on in your life. Jesus will not turn you away. He just doesn't turn people away. And the second thing is it really calls me to reflect on what's going on and what's going on with Second Chance Church. And I wrote this down because I knew I couldn't remember this. So I have to write things down. And it's called, I Dream of a Church. And it's just something I've worked on this week. And this is, for those of you that want to know what Second Chance is going to be about and why it matters, I think, to every single one of us as individuals, um, this is why. I dream of a church where confession does not lead to exclusion, where hurt people can find healing and the hopeless can find a reason for living. I dream of a church where despite our shortcomings, we experience the presence of God in such a way that we know that He is real and his love is unconditional. A dream of a church where everyone understands the ground is level at the cross and that grace is not just for the lost, but also for those who have been found but have fallen. A dream of a church where you don't have to believe what we believe to belong to our community. And I believe in a church where our weapon of choice is not a megaphone we scream into, but rather a serving towel we place over our arms. And what happens when a church like this is planted? Lost people start getting found. The found people start getting grown up. The excluded start getting included. 
The, the poor start getting served. The hopeless find joy. The weak become strong. The gates of hell get pushed back a little further in our community. And God gets the glory for it all. No, we don't want to just start another church. We want to start a place where messy people can show up and Jesus changes them in his time. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the example that you show in the scriptures of your followers continuing to be shaped and transformed by you. How you completely redefined what discipleship is in this story. I pray for those, God, that, that need an environment like this. For those of us that have dropped the ball, messed up, sinned, whatever tag or label we want to put on it, Father, that you would continue just to remind people right now that you just never turn sick people away. You always healed them. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe you're here today. Maybe for the first time you've realized that Jesus won't turn you away. That if you would give your life to Christ, if you would just give your life to Christ, if you would just say yes to Jesus, that he would come into your life, make you a brand new person. Now listen, you don't have to have it all together to follow Jesus. In fact, you can't follow Jesus until you realize none of us have it all together. And if you're here today and you're watching online and you want to pray to receive Christ, I want to invite you right now to ask Jesus into your life just by praying a simple prayer, just saying to him right now, Jesus Christ, I confess that you are God. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. In your name I pray. My head's still bowed and I'm still closed. If you just pray to receive Christ, if you're watching on the Second Chance website, if you'll hit the hand raise button, it would be awesome if you just raise your hand so we could celebrate with you. And if you're on Facebook, if you'll do the hand raise emoji so we could know that you prayed to receive Christ and do some follow-up with you and help you take your next step. We're going to be able to do that a lot better once we get into a building. Father, thank you so much for people that are receiving you, for lives that are being changed. And thank you so much that you're allowing us to get closer and closer and closer to actually having the place where we can see this happen every single week. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, let me give you a quick update because a lot of people have asked about the building. Some people this past week um, have reached out to me on social media and let me know that they came last Sunday and um, you know they were disappointed that we weren't having church. Well, the building, there's a, there's a dumpster outside and, and we don't have it out there for looks, okay? One day we hope that's gone. Um, the building's not open yet. In fact, we're, if, if giving continues the way it's going right now, it looks like we're going to be able to open late October, early November. Let me give you guys a really cool update on the, um, the $250,000 fund. $101,246.21. So we crossed the $100,000 mark. So, and once we get $250,000, we can actually pay for everything to get done. So for those of you that have been giving, thank you so much. We've actually crossed the $100,000 mark. We're getting closer to being able to get this thing started. If you want to give, there's the website you can go to to give online. There's the address that you can um, 
write and give and Carly who has the paper calendar will go check the mail and bring the mail upstairs and and it'll be awesome. People are asking the following questions. Are we going to have a children's ministry? The answer is yes. Do we need a children's pastor? The answer is no, because we've got one. His name is Zach. I'll be telling you more about him in the upcoming weeks. So for those of you that are giving and, and, and really helping us um, to make progress, thank you so much. And thank you so much for tuning in this week. Um, yeah, that's it. The best is yet to come. Love you guys. See y'all next week.